The Speaking Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Flemington Car and Truck Country. Best car buying experience ever online at Flemington.com. Award-winning House of Cupcakes, HouseofCupcakes.com, and Casa Gennaro's. Reservations, call 609-683-1212. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Speaking Podcast. This is Jay Black talking, not Bill Spadia. And uh, we're joined on the phone with Jessica Gibson. Hello, Jessica Gibson. Hi. Uh, we are recording uh, be, uh, on the phone because we were supposed to record in the studio. But uh, Bill was pretty vague in his text to us. Did you, did you see that? He had another commitment or he had a conflict he wrote? Yeah, I don't know. Something bigger and better, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. When he writes, I have a conflict. Now I'm thinking, like, maybe he's being jetted out. to. I mean, the Trump administration has got to be looking at, at uh, talk show hosts for potential cabinet positions. It, he was double booked by the president, and he's helicoptering off to D.C. Yeah. I mean, Bill could potentially, by the end of today, be the new secretary of state. We don't know for sure. Anything could happen. Question. Does he continue doing the podcast? I think he does. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you can call in like this, who wouldn't? Uh, follow me at, at Sec Defense Bill Spadia on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, Bill's not here. It's just me and Jessica. and uh, But we're going to talk about... One of our uh, uh, Golden Age episodes from uh, the summer of 2017, or the late fall of 2017, when mm-hmm. uh, my friend, famous Steve Hofstetter, came on the show. And is he golden? I thought he was ginger. He is ginger, yes. he He's ginger, but he's a golden star now. It's weird having one of my friends like that I knew when we were both at the same level now be at least nine or ten levels above me in the business. It's nice to see. And also, uh, you know, a, a good, long, hard look in the mirror at what I've done with my career is in order, Jessica. All right. So have you done that already, that look in the mirror? No. No, I've been avoiding it. Oh, my God. I don't want to. Please don't turn this into a therapy session. Jessica, they're all therapy sessions. You should know that. <laughs> Even when they're not, they are. No, I'm so thrilled for my friend. Honestly, he he was the hardest working guy in comedy. He's a hilarious dude, and he has found uh, this niche that was just starting to explode in 2017 when we recorded this. Uh, and that and- was posting his things on online, like his people heckling him? Yeah, so he's really good. When you're a comedian, sometimes you get a heckler, and we all have our our responses, but Steve is just preternaturally good at responding to hecklers, and uh, he started filming himself and putting them online, and last I had talked to him, he was up above 500,000 followers on, on YouTube. It's probably getting close to a million now. It's been over 100 million views of his videos. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. insane. It's insane. He's and we caught him, Jessica, right as things were starting to to heat up for him on his way towards, uh, you know, real-time YouTube stardom. It says he's, he's failing forward. That's his new podcast, is Failing Forward. Oh, is it his new album or his new podcast? It could be both. And maybe that's what he named his album and his podcast? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, well, either way. If you find Steve online, I'm sure all of that will be explained in due course. But I'm pretty sure it's a, a podcast as well. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's if you if you it's always good to see good people do well. You know, like there's there's a lot of people in this business who are uh, awful, and it seems like our business tends to uh, uh, respond well to sociopathy. But to have actual good people move forward is 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 uh, rare and nice to see. 
Is he New Jersey based? Is he a New York guy? He was born in New York and uh-huh. uh, he moved to L.A. And uh, okay. he's now based in L.A., which I tell everybody from the East Coast in this business, go to the West Coast. I mean, why wouldn't you? Have you been out there? Uh, I mean, to live? No, but I've spent a lot of time out there for, for business purposes. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's nice and warm, but I feel like people are always smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> are you only watching, like, 1970s after-school specials? Like, what do you th- I don't know. I, I went there, like, once or twice, and I was just like, man, there's just, I don't know. It's so different from the East Coast, where everyone's drinking alcohol in New York. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I it, at least, uh, depending on which crowd you hang up out with, I mean... I've found more uppers than downers out in L.A. Um, mm, okay. yeah, a lot of people who want to spend the night uh, awake uh, hanging out. But did I ever tell you about how I got kicked out of a party at Moby's house? No, really? Well, I didn't really get kicked out. I almost got kicked out. Like Moby Dick? No, like Moby, the the person who does the albums, the electronic music Moby. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you can tell how young you are by that. Uh, yeah, I went to his house... Well, anyway, long story short, number one, they told me I couldn't take any pictures, but I did, uh, and that that got people upset with me. But number with two, with your what flash photography like palm camera? <laughs> no, I I had an iPhone, you know, whatever three. It was, okay, it was an old timey. Uh, it it was such an old iPhone. It had like a thing next to it that like did a little puff of smoke uh, for the flash. Uh, but he's a vegan. And he, I would like he had Jack Daniels, but he didn't have Coke for Jack and Coke. And uh-huh. I, I asked enough people for like, hey, do you know where the Coke might be? That they thought I was trying to score cocaine, and mm-hmm. I wasn't. Uh, but a, a, blo- a bodyguard came up to me and said, uh, "Hey, I don't know what kind of party you think this is, but you know, <laughs> stop asking for cocaine." And I'm like, "No, I'm not. I'm just looking for Coca Cola because you know Jack Daniels at the time, Jessica, I was not drinking anything but Jack and Coke." Uh, now, uh-huh. A little bit later on, when I became a more advanced substance abuser, I cut out the Coke and the ice. Uh, but uh, I was looking for something that could sweeten up that Jack Daniels, and uh, they did not have anything for me. It's a common mistake, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so anyway, I, I, Jessica, you know me. I hate to make things about me. So let's get back to Steve Hofstetter. Um, yeah. yeah. He, he uh, graciously, we were performing together in Vegas. Which made mm-hmm. me think of this particular episode. <coughs> Excuse me. Because you're going back to Vegas, right? Going back to Vegas next week. And every time I go there, I think of Steve. Because we, we, for a while there, we were in Vegas a lot uh, uh, performing together. Uh, we um, were working at the Laugh Factory together. We recorded uh, this particular podcast in the car as we were driving to the gym together. And oh, man. What I like about this one, Jessica, is it's a wraparound with a wraparound. Because... This is you and me doing the wraparound for this episode. We also do a wraparound with Bill, you and me, talking about Hofstetter. And then we so it's jump- like an Inception. This is like Inception. This is the Russian doll of, of uh, podcasts. Yeah, we're, we, sh- <laughs> we should do another best of uh, like three years uh, later where it's us doing a wraparound about this episode. If we could keep this up for several years, we could be 50 or 60 deep, Jessica. All right, so February 2021. Yeah, let's do it. February, uh, is that, wait, is that when we're doing February of 21? Well, next year. Next yeah. year. All right. I'm putting it in my calendar right now. <laughs> oh, wait, Bill just texted me. He has a conflict. He can't, he can't make it February 21. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll do it without him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, stay tuned now for the, the uh, podcast with uh, Hofstetter. We do, we're not doing any of the back end wraparound. So it's just a wrap. It's not a wraparound. 
Um, so we'll do this part here. Make sure to follow Jessica Nutt, or excuse me, Jessica Gibson at Chasing Jess Nutt. Follow Bill Spadia at Bill Spadia. Follow me at Jay Black is Funny. And follow Steve Hofstetter. I think his name is The Hofstetter. The Hoff? Maybe it's just Hofstetter. Here, let me just look Google. it up. Yeah, let's Google it. I want to get it right for Steve. He's so much more famous than you and me, it doesn't really matter. But we should probably put that in there. Steve Hofstetter. Yeah, like when you Google him, it actually comes up? Yes. Whereas if you Not Google... A porn star? Yes, when you Google me, it's a sad porn star. He is at Steve Hofstetter on Twitter. At Steve Hofstetter on Twitter. Go follow him right now. And uh, I was really happy I was able to get him to come on the podcast. What a great guy. Please enjoy uh, our interview with Steve Hofstetter. Looking for a car, new or used? This is Jay Black to tell you there's no better destination than our friends at the Flemington Car and Truck Country family of brands. Located on Route 202 and 31 in Flemington and at Flemington.com. Here you will find 16 automotive brands plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles to fit every budget. You'll get the financing, the trade-in value, and the credit you need and dependable vehicle service maintenance that delivers peace of mind. Choose from four. Ford, Lincoln, Audi, Volkswagen, Porsche, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Infiniti, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, BMW, and Subaru. Shop them all, knowing every Flemington car and truck country location has earned the coveted dealer-rated customer satisfaction award for 2017 based on your reviews. The Flemington Car and Truck Country family of brands, an honest, straightforward organization that has been satisfying customers for over 40 years. Family independent, not corporate. Visit any of their eight dealership locations on routes 202 and 31 in Flemington or at Flemington.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Speaking Millennial. It is our podcast. I'm Bill Spadia at Bill Spadia on Twitter and Instagram. I'm here with my co-hosts, Jessica Nutt, who is at Chasing Jess Nutt on Twitter and Jay Black and his Twitter handle doesn't matter. He doesn't check it, but uh, trust me, if he did, he's, he's relatively funny. So I'm I'm actually in Reno right now, so I'm starting a Twitter account called Everything is Sad in Twitter. So maybe, or excuse me, Everything Sad in Reno. So come find me on Twitter on that account because, you, Bill, everything is sad in Reno. Everything is sad in Reno. I want to ask you though, as you as I heard you, I'm realizing we're recording this now. All of us have a crazy schedule, and yeah. um, um, Jessica's schedule probably the craziest now. But your schedule, Jay, what is it? What what time is it now? Is it seven? Three hours. It's seven a.m. here, but so for the most, like to me, that's lunchtime. Is you J- sound like it's two in the morning. Is Jay in bed? <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> I, I, I have, first off, I've had a cold that I haven't been able to shake for the last ten days. Any human being who tells you that like the desert air is good for your lungs is a liar. Uh, <laughs> but I'm awake because uh, in Reno, the water supply. There's so much meth being done in Reno. I think the water supply just naturally wakes you up. Do you hear how congested he sounds? Yeah, poor Jay. Like you, I, I feel like you you need to come back. You need to have like, well, the 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 best cold remedy. Actually, you could get that here. We need to figure out how to to get together and watch Rick and Morty. Oh yeah, we have to talk about that, Jay. So we figured out there's no way to actually uh, do a Rick and Morty thing because of the licensing. Well, you see, but here's the thing: what we do, we don't actually play the Rick and Morty episode. If we just talk about the Rick and Morty episode, like we don't have the audio from it, that's A-OK. So Jessica on the air this morning recommended we do this like a book club. So we all have homework. You don't need to do homework. Clearly, I do. 
So I'm going to have to go find it. And then once I do, we'll report back. Bill, like the virgin nerd I was in high school, this isn't homework. This is just joy for me. Mm. I will watch any episode multiple times to talk about it with you. All right, I'm in. Uh, Jessica, you have to promise so you don't fall asleep through the first episode and actually watch it through so we can talk about it. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. All right. Should it be the first episode? Do you have an episode you recommend, Jay? Uh, I had, I mean, if you guys want to talk about like uh, like best episodes, uh, I I would say episode nine of the first season would be a good introduction. Such a nerd, <laughs> right? Oh my god! <laughs> wow is there hey, is there a millennial word for nerd? Geek, geek is that still said? I feel like it's I feel like that's like you get in trouble if you say that. You, you know what I like? I, well, only around circus performers. Uh, what I like is how Jessica and I immediately revert, reverted to high school roles. I became the nerd telling you what episode to watch, and Jessica became the blonde girl yelling at what a nerd I was. I, I that. That was nice. That did happen. I watched that happen right before my eyes. I'm sorry. All right, so, um, Jay. Gonna, i got to get my shit together. Yes. Oh, and there we go. Three minutes and 15 seconds in. Uh, Jay, so you had a special guest. You are performing in Vegas. And now, are you both in Reno? No, no. Steve has a has a good agent, so he's not in Reno. Got it. So Steve Hofstetter joined you. You guys were co-headlining, uh, right, for seven yeah, days. So Steve, Steve and I go back a long way. We're we're best comedy buddies. So uh, when you both headline, you never hang out with each other. So what we decided to do was every six months we take turns being each other's opening act, which which kind of sounds like something that like you know. Uh, two gay comedians would do, but I'm not talking about. It's funny you say that because I was going to say you guys make a great couple. Like you're you you are <laughs> you're both opposites. Like he's got that edge to him, and you you don't. You're not edgy. You're you're friendly. There's a difference. Yeah. Yes, I'm like uh, I'm like your uncle that um, you know uh, gets by on the fact that uh, he's very friendly and and doesn't actually have a job or any viable means of income. So he just sort of uh, lives off of the goodwill of your your you know uh, other uncles and aunts, whereas Steve is the uncle that went to MIT, and everybody's a little afraid of making angry. So you recorded this driving in the car to one of the events. So what did you guys talk about? So we so Steve uh, and I are both we're both in Vegas for the week, and uh, Steve had been tweeting. Uh, about his positions on, you know, gun control and uh, the NFL kneeling, which I think are slightly different than your position. I'm going to guess Steve and I don't have the, I should, you know, I, I have to go, I'm going to have to go troll his Twitter account and go take some shots. I thought that's what you were doing earlier. I thought about it. How many it. Twitter followers does he How have? Does he, he has like 150,000 followers. Yeah, Steve has about 150. You know what? I'll do that. I'll engage him because see now, this, is Steve a retweeter? I'm not a hater. I I I do attack because you know I think people say really ridiculous things on Twitter. So I'm I do come at it. Steve and I love has to link no things. Retweets. He doesn't retweet. Mm-mm. Steve never retweets. What the heck? From so well, I mean, I I don't know. I don't. I Bill, I don't wade into the cesspool that is Twitter. You do not. Uh, Apparently, you have I'll, opinions I'll on it though. Yeah, how about that, Jay? We're listening. So Jessica and I listened to it before we started. I'm like, who is Jay to have all these opinions about Twitter? <laughs> I was actually well, mad. One, my college roommate was uh, spent several years in charge of uh, all video on Twitter. So I used to text him all the time with my ideas until he finally said, you know, either shut up or come work at Twitter. 
so I just got off of Twitter in a in a, in a fit of peak. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, what happened was Steve had tweeted out these ideas and uh, his his tweets on gun control in the NFL, and it was interesting. To we see call them propaganda, like, but go ahead. uh he was it was interesting to watch someone with that many followers like what would happen when one of his tweets went viral Mm -hmm. and and that's what happened he got you know several thousand uh retweets he got you know hundreds of replies and you know watching him react to it it isn't what you'd expect a celebrity uh you know an internet celebrity especially to react, how he reacted was interesting to me because I think people tend to think of uh, celebrities, especially ones that tweet out, you know, stances that are somewhat controversial, um, to just sort of be happy about any controversy they generate. And uh, it, I, I think it was very interesting to see, you know, his opinions on this because I think we forget that the people we're tweeting at are actual people. And Steve does a very good job of humanizing uh, the experience. So right, we should probably I, listen to that conversation. Yes. I, so I did he record well, reaction well, videos of himself crying and reading his Twitter? <laughs> no, no. Steve doesn't cry about that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, he he was uh, he was he wept silently. He yeah. cried on the inside. He internalized. He, the that's right. He buried those emotions deep. Just push them down. Don't let them out. And you know what? I'm jealous of Steve because I've never had an emotion that I didn't let out immediately. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> Jay, I can tell you, yes, you wear them on your sleeve. You announce them constantly. <laughs> You're like an ongoing I, I parade wear, of your emotions. I wear them on my sleeve with the same uh, uh, style as Liberace. I mean, that's how much the emotions come out. They're sequined Again, again, the reference. See? Um, all right, we should probably hear it, though. So Let's go for it. Yep. <laughs> All right, everybody, this is uh, the Speaking Millennial interview section. I'm Jay Black, which I'm sure I'll introduce myself a couple of times over the course of the opening to this with Bill and Jessica, but I'm here with uh, internet celebrity Steve Hofstetter. Is that, would that be the best way to describe you, Steve? Uh, there's so much to live up to. I think the best way to describe me is tall, gangly redhead. Well, I, I didn't want to be insulting, even though that's an accurate description of you. It feels like just giving that accurate description would be insulting. Uh, we are driving to the gym together. Uh, we worked at the Laugh Factory in Las Vegas for the last seven days, and uh, Steve and I have gotten into physical fitness. And I think it's fair to say after the seven days, we are perfectly ripped. Is that is that an accurate description? Yeah, now we're just going to go to the gym to teach other people how to do it. Oh, yeah. We've got seven days worth of experience. And, uh, you know, I I want to go up and very condescendingly tell people who are in much better shape than me. Ooh, that form's a little off. Yeah, it's actually uh, I have six days of experience. I skipped a day already. But still, I I still think I've mastered it. Yeah, you didn't need that. You didn't need that seventh day. I mean, you're like God. (laughs) You you did everything you needed in six days. Then. Then just took a break. Uh, so we're doing it in the car uh, because we are, uh, uh, I guess, getting kicked out of our hotel at 11. Is that? Yeah. Although I got I got a, I got a noon checkout, so we're good. By the way, the only way I'm like God is that I have no discernible physical form. <laughs> and also, you don't seem to care for uh, the people that you've created either. So <laughs> That's also true. You're just up there looking down going, hey, you're on your own. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, this is speaking millennial, but instead of speaking directly about millennials, I would like to talk a little bit about internet fame. And right before we started this podcast, in the 
the car. Uh, you were talking about uh, some of the posts that you've had on Facebook this week. And, uh, you know, there's been a tragedy in Las Vegas. Um, this is going to post in uh, in about 10 days. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be out of the news by then. People are going to remember. Uh, we've just performed in Vegas. And I think that was on your mind a little bit. And you made a couple of posts. And I just, I just want to hear about what it's like when somebody has 150,000 Twitter followers and hundreds of thousands of followers on, on the other various platforms when you make a post about something like that what is the reaction from people well the toughest part is not my followers because for the most part i've weeded out the assholes because i'm <laughs> i'm pretty much i'm gonna go in the direction i'm gonna go in regardless of what you think about me but sometimes those followers might retweet something and then their followers are crazy people so uh kurt eichenwald who is wonderfully nice to me and a great journalist uh, uh, where, where does he work Kurt Eichenwald can you uh, just for the people at home who don't know him um, I think he's Newsweek I feel bad now that I don't know <laughs> we can, we'll edit that out it's probably Newsweek yeah so <clears throat> so Kurt's been to a show of mine and he retweets my stuff a lot and he retweeted a post I made and it was a joke now it was a joke based on truth, but it was a joke, where I said, the crux of it is pretty much, uh, you know, people who feel they need guns to defend themselves from the government, you know, so they want to kill Americans, it doesn't sound very patriotic to me. Gotcha. So this was a, a joke that uh, sort of outlined your opinions on gun control to your followers, who all basically probably have the same point of view as you do. Or are cool enough to understand that, like... I don't mind that this human being disagrees with me. Right. I don't need to freak out about it. Gotcha. Just because a person has a different opinion from me. Um, and so Kurt retweeted it, which I very much appreciated. But he's a journalist, so he's followed by some of the Federalist folks. The Federalist, uh, these are not the people who wrote the Federalist Papers. But which they would think be... they are. <laughs> so Alexander Hamilton's great-great-great-great-grandson is uh, is part of this group. Really, uh, it's someone who doesn't have their own identity, and so they've decided that being a Federalist is their identity. Gotcha. So they're, they follow Kurt, they got a hold of this, and uh, what happened? Who boy. Uh, it Now, it was not even the most retweeted thing I've ever written. It was, you know, got probably... 400 retweets, 1,100 likes. I mean, that's that's real good traction, but it had hundreds of replies. Gotcha. And I, I know that Twitter does a uh, impressions measure, I think, yeah. that's how many people read it. Do you have offhand how many people came across it, probably? About 100,000. Gotcha. That's a huge number. About yeah. 100,000 people read that tweet, and it got hundreds of replies. And I'm guessing all of them well thought out. Um, very, you know, if there was a rebuttal, it was not ad hominem attacks on you. It was mostly just ideology, but respectful ideology. Did I get that correct? Uh, yeah, you, you absolutely nailed it, except for the words that you said. But <laughs> it, it was, it's fascinating to me <clears throat> that, uh, I mean, okay, first of all, it's fascinating to me that, that so many people in this country think that they're Rambo. Because so many of the replies were just like, you know... I need my gun for when the government tries to take over. And be like, really? What are you, what are you going to do with it? Are you going gonna to stop those stealth bombers, buddy? Are you going to shoot at the tanks? Well, that's that's why, adorable. That's why they need uh, suppressors so they can fire at tanks. 
Right. I And look, I actually, the craziest part of this whole thing is, I am pro-Second Amendment. I have said many, many times publicly, even on this thread, that I don't think they should quote-unquote take the guns away. Right. I just think that we need to get a little bit more responsible about how they're handled. And that, so I am an ally. Right. Unless you're a crazy person that just thinks, unlimited guns for all. Right, right. Well, but that's what I want to talk about. Not necessarily the actual content of this tweet in particular. Yeah. But, you know, I've been hanging out with you all week, and I was there when when this thing went viral. And you've had a couple of other things that, you know, it's interesting because I think most people who tweet at celebrities... You know, and I'm I'm putting you in the celebrity category here. That well, I mean, they don't know. I think they just picture you as a uh, faceless person who wants to court controversy and doesn't get affected by it at all. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's something where I can't tell you how many times, even the nice messages, like someone will tweet something nice to me, and they'll tweet like a question, and I'll reply. And they'll, oh my God, I didn't think that you would ever reply. And it's right. like, well, then why did you write this? <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, so it's like, you know, you're affected positively by good messages and negatively by bad messages. And on that level, when you're getting 100,000 impressions and you're getting hundreds and hundreds of replies, I, I got to imagine, because I got off of Twitter in part because even when I posted something to my meager following and I got five or six negative replies, it would drive me insane. I would be sitting there trying to explain to people in 140 characters why they totally misunderstood everything I just wrote. And I, I, I had to get off the Ferris wheel or merry-go-round, something yeah. that spins in a circle. But uh, I had to get off that metaphorically because it was driving me nuts. How do you handle it? How do you keep yourself in perspective and not just lose your mind when people start misunderstanding what you're trying to say? Um, I, I try to, first of all, I love the mute feature on Twitter. This is something that every piece of social media should have. It's a way to block someone without them knowing that they're blocked. Because when you block someone and they know, if they're the type of person that I would block, then they're the type of person that would also make another account to try to get around it. Right. That would make their meager life about torturing me. Right. And they would crow. They would take that as a win. Steve blocked me, so I got to him. Absolutely. And so the mute is fantastic, because then they're just shouting into the wind. Right. And it's, oh, that's so much fun to know, also, (laughs) that, because, you know, and then they could also, like, because you could still look at someone you muted if you want to, and so sometimes I'll see my fans replying to them a whole bunch, so I'm like, the hell's been going on that I haven't even noticed and I'll see them freaking out why are you replying to me and that makes me laugh so much they do do they ever come to the understanding like oh I think I may have been muted or is it just you know they're so narcissistic they just assume that you're not replying because of them you're reading it but not replying it I mean do they ever figure out like oh I guess I've been muted I'll go away now I've never seen anybody say it really really Really? not, not not one time And I have thousands of people on mute. Wow. Well, every time someone, and I'll tell you this, even, even if someone probably means well, but they, but they write something that's really fucking annoying or just a, just a stupid joke. Right. Like sometimes I'll just be like, eh, I don't need to hear from you anymore. And then I'll mute them then too. So, so (laughs) I just, I feel like, 
And I had this, uh, I had this happen this week where someone wrote me something really nasty and then I made fun of it publicly. Wait, so is this the one where you did the four responses? Yes. Okay, so I, they wrote you a private message, right? So they DM'd you. Well, they DM'd me, but they also commented on a couple things that I wrote. And they DM'd me, calling me stupid and telling me to leave America and, you know, all the all the kind of thing that you'd really get from a tolerant person. Right, and and very original stuff, too. I mean, not, yeah. not something that you would hear, you know, on the third hour of the Rush Limbaugh show. Hey, I'm just impressed that it wasn't in a meme. So <laughs> I decided it would be funny because I had a couple of different ideas of how to respond. Right. So I decided it would be funny to let my fans in on that process and to write out four different responses and kind of let them choose. Right. Which was fun. They had they had a good time voting on it, oh, too. Just, just out of curiosity, which one won? Uh, the one that won was, because this was about someone upset that I was supporting the, you know, the Take a Knee protests. And uh, the one that won was, I'm sorry that the peaceful protests have gotten in your way of the one time you've ever rooted for black people. Oh, wow. That's that's a, I, I remember you writing that one. I thought it was very funny. And yeah. uh, it's good to see. Was that a runaway winner? Runaway winner. That was the one that people were going, oh, damn. <laughs> and then posting little gifts about and stuff. So uh, he then, like, he then tried to be self-righteous at me about, like, well, how dare you, you know, oh, real classy to, you know, put that response out there. And I'm like, you insulted a stranger. Right. And and you're upset that the stranger shared it? That's sure. that's what upset you? And the people who, like, get upset about blocking and, you know, and, and possibly muting. I mean, I don't know if they do or not. But it's completely within our right to do that. I do not have... And people, well, what about different opinions? It's like, this isn't a different opinion. This is harassment. Right. And I don't need to listen to that. I'm not putting myself in an echo chamber. There are plenty of people on my page who don't agree with me, and they're civil about it. Right. They're not dicks. So, okay, let me let me ask you this because this yeah. is something that uh, you'll hear a lot from people about celebrities, which is, well, you chose to put yourself in the public forum, so you also therefore chose to put yourself in the way of harassment, in the way of beratement. Um, I don't agree with that thought, but I, I'd like to get your opinion on that. Like, you know, you, you are someone who has courted, uh, you know, followers on social media. Does that mean you've also courted the harassment? Like, how do you, how do you respond to people who say, like, well, you're a celebrity, just take it? Uh, that is such disgusting behavior. That is su- the idea <laughs> that, I mean, that's the same logic as like, well, she wore a skirt, so she should be raped. <laughs> Well, probably a lot of those guys have those opinions. Oh, it's pre- it is the same people. Right. The idea that like, okay, look, I have put myself in the public eye and therefore I am publicly accountable for my actions. That is absolutely true. I've put myself in the public eye and therefore I am accessible. That is absolutely true. Right. But the idea of, well, you put yourself in the public eye and therefore you deserve to be treated like utter garbage. No! That's not how it works. Well, you know, you did walk into this room, so therefore, you were expecting me to hit you. No. No, I was not. Right. I just went into the room. So there's, you know, we could say celebrities are, you know, courting people to look at them and to engage with them, but they're still human beings. Is that fair enough? Yes. It's, we... 
I, you have every right to voice your opinion about me publicly because what I have done is in the public right. and that's perfectly fine. What you don't have the right to be is not a civil human being. Gotcha. And one thing I was thinking about is I wonder how different the internet would be if we all treated everyone else as if we either wanted to have them hire us or get laid. <laughs> or sometimes both. Yeah, absolutely. Hire us and fuck us. I, that's if you work for the Weinstein Corporation, I yeah. believe. I believe that's how that works. Damn, son. Uh, yeah, I, you know, just to just to give people the benefit of the doubt, treat, you know, treat them a little bit nicer. Um, and, you know, I've definitely snapped back on people. Um, but for the most part, even when people are disagreeing with me in a shitty way, I like to not be shitty. Because that makes them look even shittier, right. which is right. kind of fun. Right. Yeah, did you see uh, Jeremy Lin's response uh, on social media yes. to, uh, who was it, who said Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin. Uh, it was like the nicest burn ever, right? Oh, you know? it, was, it was phenomenal. So for those who haven't seen this, uh, Kenyon Martin criticized Jeremy Lin's dreadlocks, saying that it was cultural appropriation. And so Jeremy Lin wrote like a really nice message to Kenyon about how, hey, you know, I had your posters growing up, and I really respect you, and, you know, thank you for your opinion. But he also mentioned that Kenyon Martin had Chinese tattoos. <laughs> but it wasn't in, like, a... Because he could have just been like, yeah, you have Chinese tattoos, so you should shut your mouth. Instead, he was like, hey, man, I love you so much, and I, I love that you respect Chinese culture by having Chinese tattoos, right. which was really enough for that quit your bullshit moment right. with him still being a sweetheart. I loved it. Yeah, and I think it stood out. I think that's the thing. It stood out because it was so nice. It wasn't a flame war between uh, two basketball players who, who were being mean to one another. It was one tried to be mean and the other's reply was so polite that everybody stopped and took notice because that doesn't really happen online. Well, it was both polite and also a really good bird. Right, right. Well, okay, we're almost at the gym and uh, I told you that we would just do this in the car and I, I don't want to sit in the park a lot talking to you because then people would start to you know figure that we're about to make out because the sexual tension is really high between us uh i would want to ask this you know okay. you spend a lot of time on social media you uh you're a guy that is a, a thinker about all the things that you're involved in what if you were in charge of twitter if you were in charge of instagram or or youtube or any of these places what's one change that you would put in that you think that would fix a lot of this harassment problem because you know when you hear about people talking about twitter it seems like jack uh dempsey is like obsessed with the number of characters of the tweets and not necessarily the harassment problem which is the thing that everyone talks about no one's like well 280 tweets that would that would create less harassment they all want the harassment problem fixed nobody cares about the uh, character count what would be your fix for all these issues? Well, I actually think the character count is the fix because what you don't realize is that in the extra 140 characters at all times, people would use those to apologize. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, I like your idea that we've talked about, uh, you know, where, where people, there are different levels of verification. Um, but also, I've thought about this a lot, and this is something that I talked to, I talked to Dane Cook about because... I was on a show with him, and I figured if anyone's if anyone understands online harassment, it's Dane. Yeah. If I could just take a moment, I just want to say this. Yeah. I always thought the backlash against him. I understood it because he was a cultural phenomenon. 
I didn't think he was ever a bad comic. I always thought he was a very strong comic, and it annoyed me that there was such a backlash. I just wanted to get that out there because he he took too much backlash. Yeah, and, you know, he's had his moments where he's treated people poorly. Mm-hmm. And I think those people then get out there and be like, well, now he's terrible and everything. And, and it's like, well, you're kind of being bad, too, in this moment. Um but anyway, the point is that, like, I've had a lot of horrible shit said about me, but I was like, it's probably a thousandth of what Dane's had. Right. So I asked him, I just asked him one day, I was like, how, you know, how do you, how do you deal with it? We talked about it a little bit, and one of the things he said that really stuck out to me was, he said, none of this will go away until we're forced to actually be ourselves online. In person, we have to stand with our face and our name. Right. And online, we don't. And so... Now, look, on Facebook, we have to be us, and there are still people who are horrible, but it's not nearly as bad because you can't create 10 different accounts. and pretend. I mean, I guess you can still kind of pretend to be somebody. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're a Russian uh, troll farm, yeah. but other than that, no. Well, the, the idea being that, like, if there's some sort of verification where everybody gets one account, right. and that is your account, and if you fuck it up, you don't get to use that account anymore. Right. That will, I mean, that could solve so much. Now, of course, it could hurt things where you need to be anonymous for democracy and things like that. You know, people always talk about Arab Spring as an example. But at the same time, like, we we need to be us. And I, I think that that will make people much more civil. And it will make protests more powerful. Right. Well, it, it would, it makes you accountable for your words. And I think that yeah. just, you know, it's to, to end this uh, interview, and thank you so much for doing it. Um, I think we were talking last night about our different approach to hecklers. And yeah. I really liked yours, which was uh, when a heckler starts talking to you, your point of view is choose your words carefully. Did I get that right? What's, yeah, the, what's the quote? It's I'm I am going to turn your words against you. Right. So make sure you say what you mean. So, um, and I want to add one thing, by the way, to to your point about, you know, people think that celebrities are are these, you know, machines almost. Right. Um, I dated a singer and there was a, there was like a day where she's just kind of scrolling through YouTube, watching people who are covering her songs. Right. Like just watching people sit there in their bedroom singing her songs. Right. And I was, I was just, I was smiling so much because just the idea of like, these people don't realize that like their favorite singer might just be watching them sing her songs. Right. She's a human being that would be in, would enjoy that sort of thing just like anybody would. Right. She's, you know, she's curious. And so when you have someone the level of like, you know, uh, a Madonna or, you know, or a, or a LeBron James or a Louis C.K., they're not going to see everything because there's just too much to see. Sure. But they're going to see some of it. And so if you had the chance to speak to a celebrity in person, would you still say what you're saying? Right. Because if not, then you're a liar. I love that. Thank you so much, Steve Hofstetter. Steve, where should we find you online? Uh, Just, you know, look up. Steve Hofsetter and uh, Google will correct you on the spelling. <laughs> uh, every there are like a dozen other people named Steve Hofsetter, and they probably really get annoyed that they cannot be searched at all. 
Uh, and my YouTube is my biggest thing, so uh, check it out. Or, uh, you know, you can check me out on Twitter. I will reply to most ads that aren't obnoxious. Very nice. And uh, this is going to drop a week from Wednesday. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug specifically? Any shows, any uh, live appearances that people can come catch at? Absolutely. This weekend, I'm filming my comedy special in Indianapolis, Friday and Saturday at Morty's Comedy Joint. So if you're in Indianapolis or you know anyone in Indianapolis or you want to go and Tinder someone in Indianapolis <laughs> and tell them to go, uh, that would be awesome. We're going we're gonna to pack it out, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Steve. Always a pleasure, and uh, let's go get swole, bro. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about one of our sponsors, great sponsor, good friend, Vinnie Brand, owns the Stress Factory in New Brunswick. The uh, website is stressfactory.com. Vinnie Brand runs one of the great comedy clubs, honestly, in the country. Not only does he have A-list comics coming in almost every single week, but the show is great. The food is fantastic. The staff, the service, there's parking right next door. If you've not discovered the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, you've got to get there. Go to stressfactory.com and uh, buy your tickets. It's a great night out, reasonable cost, absolutely hilarious entertainment, great food and hospitality. Stressfactory.com. I'm getting pointed at by Bill Spadia, so I'm uh, confused here. Uh, Steve Califer, he's the guy who owns Flemington Car and Truck, and he also owns the Somerset Patriots, where you could see Bill Spadia throw out a first pitch, ceremonial first pitch. This is a place, if you are looking for a car or a truck of any sort, you'd be a dummy not to go to Flemington Car and Truck. And you want to know how big a deal this guy is? You want to, His website is just Flemington.com. That, the entire state of New Jersey. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Flemington.com is uh, where you want to go to check out all the great prices on Jeeps, on uh, on uh, Cadillacs, on, uh, I, I think that the only two thoughts I had were Jeep and Cadillac. That's, but there's that's so many different cars. There's, uh, there's Audi, there's Buicks, there's GMC, BMWs, there's Fords. This is the car, when you're driving along and you see Bill Spadia driving in a red Jeep and you go, oh, is Bill going through a midlife crisis? You know where he uh, got that midlife crisis car at? Flemington Car and Truck. That's where he got it. So go check that out, Flemington.com. And if you're in the Flemington area, you got to go check out Flemington uh, Car and Truck because uh, Steve Califer, friend to the podcast, friend to humanity, friend to the person buying a car, Flemington Car and Truck. I do just want to add a congratulations to the Somerset Patriots for making it all the way to the league, not not to the championship, but they got to the playoffs. Nice. And I threw out a couple first pitches. It's going to be a great season next year. How'd I think it if- go? I was going to avoid that. Let's put it this way. Sparky Lyle, the Yankee great, um, who was the first relief pitcher to win a Cy Young, he said, well, look at the right side. If it was 0-2, I would have told you to throw it that low because he would have swung at it. <laughs> so I got a swinging third strike. It, it was my worst first pitch that I have ever thrown. If, if Gary <laughs> Delabate's a 0 and George Bush after 9-11 is a 10, you are this that particular pitch was a five. That's not too bad. Well, it got over the plate, but I hit the dirt. I I, I don't think I've ever hit the dirt. I I hmm. I can guarantee you, I would have hit someone it off the bad. first base line if I was throwing the opening. It pitch. was bad. But the Somerset Patriots are great. The TD Bank Ballpark, great. And we just gave Steve Califer a nine minute plug. I so there you it. go, Steve. Thanks we love for, Steve. Thanks for being our sponsor, guy. Thank you. I actually find it helpful, people at the gym, who correct your posture. That's what personal trainers are for. 
So see that I had you know as a girl, you get much different correcting than a dude does. I don't take it as condescending. Now, what do you oh, mean yeah. different correcting? Like, like hands-on correcting? Hold on, let me show you exactly how to position your back on yeah, this. Yeah, like keep your back straight, <laughs> your knees. Jessica has like you know a, a nice-looking fit dude with a man bun coming over to tell her the exact way to do it with a smile. Where Steve and I just get like a condescending glare. Like, listen, you don't have the glutes to be able to do this properly. Get out of here, dude. You're right. Why are you even here? Yeah. See, this was the advantage. When you're a not attractive dude than when you're an attractive woman. Do people talk to you in the gym? Um, no, not totally. Yeah. But trainers do. Yeah. Like personal trainers will. If you're paying for it? Or, yeah. Right, like if you hire one. Yeah. I've never done that. Do you do that? Uh, yeah, you should do it. It's great. Really? Yeah. Keeps Jay, you, have you done that? Otherwise, you just sit there scrolling on your cell phone reading Twitter. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Much like when we know the podcast has lost interest, uh, it has Jessica's lost interest when all of a sudden she's scrolling Instagram. I am aggressively right now trying to figure out where to watch Rick and Morty, other than just ask Jay so to Jay, borrow his DVD. Jay, you're in Reno, and um, we're here in the studio, as you know. Um, yeah. I said that out loud so the audience understood the context here. So about five minutes ago, Jessica pulled out her iPad. I've been scrolling and, and, for five minutes. And is actually multitasking, like having a conversation, looking at the time of the podcast, and scrolling, trying to find where to, to watch it's these episodes. It's not on Netflix. I don't know if it's on Is it on Hulu? You know what, Jessica, go to Can I Stream It? Uh, ah. or like just Google Can I Stream It or Can You Stream It? There's a site that'll tell you where the streaming sources are. For we want to only direct our audience to legal sites. Yeah, no, this isn't. This is not a site that tells you how to pirate stuff. It just tells you where it's available legally. So, can I stream it? Mm-hmm. That it's I like canistreamit.com. Yep. Kind of fascinated by that. That's pretty good. I can. I. I may be doing the same thing. All right. So but that's for Rick and Morty. Wait, real fast. You want to hear my joke about Reno that I always open with? Yeah. Which is, uh, it's a shame that they they make you do Reno right after doing Las Vegas, because it's kind of like, you know, being in Las Vegas is kind of like having sex with 1993 Pamela Anderson, where Reno is kind of like having sex with Pamela Anderson now. Oof. Everything is just darker and sadder. And Why is that? I, I have only been to Reno once, and I think it's because I flew into Reno to drive to Lake Tahoe. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I didn't stay. What it is. It's, it's a town that's built on, hey, if you're on the way to somewhere nice, maybe do some gambling while you're here. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. Have you is been that why it's a big... No, I only know about it from the, the TV show. Reno 911. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even know about that. Is that a thing? And from, like, that the 90s. So it's like a, like a cop show, mm-hmm. like a cop's reality show. Is The crime is not good. I don't know anything about Reno. I literally have been to the air. We used to go to, like, Tahoe. Um, which I love. That's a great place. If you've never been right. there, great place. But you fly to Reno, and and then it's I don't know if it's an hour, hour and a half, whatever the drive is. But but that's my only experience in Reno. And I my impression was there was nothing at the airport. Like the bar yeah, wasn't so open. People get so excited over the Vegas airport when you step out and see the casinos right right in the terminal. I don't remember I, that I'll in Reno. Tell you how. First off, two things. Uh, how sad is the Reno airport? When you step into the main concourse, there is a uh, big poster of me. That's the first thing that you see when you walk off the uh, main concourse to come see me at the Laugh Factory. I'm the biggest thing happening in town other than Paul Anka. 
So, not a lot's happening in Reno. And uh, the second, second thing I'll tell you is Steve had a very good joke about it, which is uh, if it, uh, there's Vegas and then there's Atlantic City, which is sad Vegas, and then there's Reno, which is sad Atlantic City. Is it that bad? Because you're, you are right. Atlantic City is absolutely sad Vegas. Like, yeah. Walking into the casinos. I mean, some look, they've done a lot of things. Some of the restaurants have gotten very good. The problem is that you've got these areas that you're like, okay. I wouldn't park my car there. They just haven't yeah. solved it yet. Reno is a lot like a science fiction movie where they built these casinos where inside the casino is really nice, but outside the casino is society has broken down and it's a, everyone's fighting for themselves in a sort of Mad Max style future. <laughs> Is it nice the, though when you drive down the street? Sponsored by the Reno Tourism Board. <laughs> Reno yeah. when you have nowhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> Reno for when you have nowhere else to go. I love it. Did you fly? Are you flying back from Reno? So I'm flying back from Reno. I actually drove from Vegas to Reno. Bill, get this. I rented a Camaro SS. I was, I, which, by the way, wow. I for a car. I don't think SS should ever be put together in anything. I was going to say. Uh, right, you think that that would be out? SS because it was the same price as the uh, the Chevy Impala that I had originally. Uh, Were you flashing back so, to high school? Oh yeah, I felt very much like I was right? one orange tan away from being a guy who wore like, a white a chain outside of his white T-shirt. I feel like you need a mullet what? to be able to drive that. Hmm. Yeah, no, or you need to be like or, eighteen. Well, I don't know. Now, see, I'm sensing from Jessica, maybe it's not as uncool as we think. Well, I think it's very it? Jersey. It's Jersey. It's totally Jersey. It is. Yeah. And here's the problem. I'm, I'm like 6'3", 220-odd pounds, and that car was built for someone 5'10 or under. I do feel a little bit like, you know, it's a, it's a nice car, but I can hear the engine struggling a little bit when it wants to get up over 80 because Wait. of uh, the fact that it's carrying my big fat does, body in it. Does it have uh, the T-flaps, right? Like the sunroof? <laughs> does it have... no, I think it's something <laughs> several years ago. <laughs> oh, have I dated myself? But I just, that's what I think of. I think friends in high school having Camaros. Yeah, that's what I said. He right? has to be all, younger. Yeah. Younger and in Jersey. Jay's midlife crisis. I never right. had one. Why? Yeah, I, I don't know. I drove one. I drove my high school car was a Cadillac. Now, before you think that uh, anybody spent any money on this, it was my dad had bought it and it let it kind of it kind of broke down. It was parked in the back mm-hmm. and it was out of view and it yeah. rusted over time. I mean, it was just gross. Ugh. But it was huge. So he's like, "That's your car." So I'm like, "Hmm." Did you? I took it. Yeah. I fixed it. I painted it. I mean, who knew? I. I had help. What'd you paint it with? I went to, I don't know, whatever. I went to a, uh, it was awful. I mean, it looked terrible. It was like I used this gray putty <laughs> because the doors started to rot out. So I, anyway, you can imagine what this thing looked like. The great thing about it, it was I had the biggest car of all my friends. Oh, is so that a good would, thing? It was great. So we would all pile in. I mean, we could fit, you could probably fit eight or nine people. Yeah. It, it was and two door. Five in the trunk. Uh, yes. It was a huge car. God, it was so ugly. I wonder what happened to it. Hmm. I don't remember. It was probably bought by an old person who then put a lot of uh, navy hats in the back window. Because that's what old people do for whatever reason. I probably already had Marines hats all in the back window. Uh, It's possible. (laughs) It's possible. It's possible. What did you drive in high school? Jay? Me? Yeah. Oh, uh, what did I have? I had a... uh, 
Chevy. Uh, I forget the name of it. It was. It's gonna. It's gonna come to me. It was. It was a, a Chevrolet, a Chevy that like kind of had a little bit of sportiness to it, but not yeah. really. It was like it, you know, if you've ever seen a car with a fake spoiler on it, you know, like that's actually <laughs> yeah, that's it. That it doesn't really need that, right? Yeah, and you, every, anybody that knows anything about cars would look yeah. at it and go like. Yeah, we're not really, you don't really need the air pressure to keep the rear of your car down. I, I <laughs> exactly. think you're going to be okay. Your zero to 60 takes eight and a half minutes. I think you'll be fine. What do you think Jessica drove in high school? <laughs> I imagine a, v, a VW Rabbit. <laughs> That's a good guess. That's not, a, yeah. Yeah. What did you drive? A Saab convertible. Really? I would have never, never guessed that. It was old. Did My parents really? got it for me. Same thing. They bought you the old car. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I want a little bit of recognition wow. for how close I was. You think that's close? Getting that correct. I, hmm. I don't know. Is it close? Do they even make the Did, rabbit anymore? Does, is the rabbit a convertible? Yeah, rabbit convertible. Look up mm. on your iPad, Jessica, right there. Wait, look but, up VW. But, Jessica just closed her iPad because she gave ago. up. She just, she literally just closed it, having given up on the whole. I want to say Ren and Stimpy, but whatever. What is it? Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Hmm. I, I just want to say, I, I got a Nordic-type country, a Teutonic country convertible car. I want some credit on that for how closely I pegged her. <laughs> All right, I'll, we'll give it to you. We'll give it, it to you. It is pretty close. That's like a, that's like a, I, I give you a B minus on that. Although I feel like it was B-. more like. <laughs> so if I were a fake psychic, you would have just given me $25,000 to make stock tips for it. <laughs> um, so wait, did you, you were. What were you looking up? Oh, I was trying to find Rick and Morty. I can't tell if it's on Xfinity On Demand or not. The old oh, it episodes. Might be. It might be. I'm... I, I would be pretty surprised if it wasn't. Um, it's Like I said uh, last week, it's the most popular show among millennials. So, uh, so you know, And I don't know if true. you guys saw this week, there were near riots at McDonald's because of Rick, Rick and Morty. I don't know if you guys saw uh, that. We, I did see that. It was over the Szechuan sauce that they had. Now, what does the cartoon have to do with the sauce? So, and then what does it have to do with Rick and Morty fans not understanding the whole purpose of Rick and Morty for the fact that they couldn't get the sauce? So what happened right. was, in the uh, first episode of this season, they use a machine to make Rick go back in his mind, in his memories, because they're trying to extract uh, information from him. But because Rick is so smart, he actually just uses the machine to reconstruct him going to McDonald's in 1998 to get the special Mulan-style Szechuan sauce for his chicken nuggets, because it was the best sauce they ever made, according to Rick, and they discontinued it. <laughs> so uh, he he just was using the uh, torture device to extract his memories to just eat Szechuan sauce at McDonald's. And that made Rick and Morty fans very curious as to how this Szechuan sauce tasted. And apparently, without contacting the Rick and Morty people, because according to Dan Harmon, the, uh, the creator of Rick and Morty, along with Justin Roiland, um, it was a... Uh, tie-in that wasn't really a tie-in because they did not cross-promote with Rick and Morty. They just brought it back. They just brought it back. They, only, they brought it back. That? Well, check this out. They brought 20 little containers <laughs> per store. I told you that yeah. earlier, right? Boxes. What containers. Right. There, was, there was a near riot in Florida because literally hundreds of people were lined up. Like First people off, were camped have out. Seen how fat, have you seen how fat nerds are? 
That they would eat twenty cases by themselves. You need to have far more than that. Wait, so so this was a sauce they actually sold at some point at McDonald's? Yeah, yes. when? In, uh, during, in nineteen ninety eight, when the movie Mulan, the Disney movie, I Mulan was off came McDonald's. Out, they had Szechuan sauce as a tie-in for the movie Mulan. Do you know for the first time in probably fifteen years, I'm now thinking I want McDonald's? Really? Do you think it's because I'm juicing? Oh, yeah. Yes. And I'm, that's oh, yeah, that's that totally salt. what it is. Oh my God, mm-hmm. that's what it is. I'm doing another juice God. cleanse. I I, I I I don't know, Jay. I get myself into these things. McDonald's chicken nuggets. So, so now I'm really thinking about the salty, the fries. Oh, so. Yeah, and I want to dip oh, in, God, in yeah. the Szechuan sauce. That's what I want to do. And you know what, Bill? Really, whenever they two. show you, those, this is I'm not going like, to make it. Man holding. They do those factory farm videos where it's like, hey, look at this pink goo. That's what turns into the chicken nugget. I watch it and I go. Kind of hungry right now. I never get grossed out by it. We're going to screenshot this, and Jessica's going to send it to you. This is the dude looking. Is that Morty? Which one is that? Uh, Who's the gray-haired guy? Morty? That's Rick. Oh. Wait, Rick is the scientist? Rick is the scientist. Scientist Rick Sanchez. All right, so there's a guy. (laughs) What is he, posing like him? And he's holding. he's He's got four packs to himself. Yeah. He's hoarding it. He's got. He looks so happy. You'd think they would have limited it. Wouldn't the first person just come in and buy all 20? Well, I guess they didn't you know. think. You know what I call that guy? I call that guy the richest man in Nerdville. <laughs> there you go. You. I'm craving Chicken McNuggets now. <laughs> it's possible that's going to be the first thing I eat when this thing is done. Oh, I bought so three days. Good. I'm doing three days. I'm doing another reset, Jay. It's like a, yeah, like a metabolism reset. I feel good. I wanted to do one. I haven't had coffee or any alcohol since Sunday night. Oh yeah, you know, and I you're just... giving me the same pitch that the meth dealer in the, uh, the Silver <laughs> Legacy parking lot did when I was walking into the hotel. Last like, night. You're gonna so, feel great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you feel great. You get so much done. Like what? Like smoking more meth? Okay. <laughs> Are there a lot of homeless people in uh, <laughs> Reno? Excuse me. Well, that was a rough oh, cough. Can we yeah. edit that cough out? Yeah. Can we? <laughs> yeah, we need sorry. a. <laughs> All right, Jay needs to get some tea in him. Yeah. All right, Jay. Here's my recommend. I know you don't drink. Yes. But I, I wonder if a one shot would upset your whole system with the Wellbutrin. And here's why I say that. The best thing that I have found for a cold is the hot toddy. Shot of whiskey, shot of lemon juice, and a shot of honey. 30 no, seconds in the microwave. You, I'm going to tell you this. Tell me. If I were anywhere else, I, I would I would take your system. I am in Reno, and I know myself. I am depressed when I'm in Reno when I'm on a when I'm perfectly balanced in all my humors, if I decide to have a hot toddy, there's a good chance you're going to get a telegram from me in Tijuana three weeks from now saying, "Forget the podcast. I'm working the donkey show down here." Don't do that. <laughs> the donkey show. That could be a whole podcast right there. I think we have a name. <laughs> Plus this guy, Steve. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, I you know, I retweet the hate. I embrace the hate. And uh, some of it's getting really hostile. Like, I get your point. Really? Oh, over the whole, the Vegas thing and Are you uh, off Puerto Twitter Rico. too? No, I love Twitter. No, no. I'll tell you what happened. So I, I, I live through Twitter. Bill, I, hold on. Yep. Pr- pronounce it correct, correctly. Puerto Rico. That's how you pronounce it. Is that how I'm supposed to say that? Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's how our president pronounces it. So that's how you uh, pronounce it. Oh, all right. It, it, took, well, it, it, took you, it took you 46 minutes into the podcast to take a shot at Trump. So that's pretty good. 
25 see I added just quickly I added that up I'm just saying damn I just added in the the Hofstetter interview that was some fourth grade math thank you Jessica (laughs) (laughs) so uh, where was I going oh I know so people have been getting a little crazy so I have blocked my first few people Mm -hmm. how about that I had to do that and then today someone tweeted at me that you know I'm an idiot and something that I didn't read I was talking about Columbus okay and I sent an article that I wrote to her, tweeted mm-hmm. at her. I'm like, mm-hmm. just want you to read this and learn something first, and then we'll talk. And she came back. She's like, you know, pretty much you're still an idiot. And something, and and I said, obviously you didn't read it. And she tweeted back, yes, I did. And I'll never get that two minutes back. So I was going to tweet something snarky about reading comprehension. And I went to do it, and she blocked me. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. You got blocked. I got blocked. What do you think of that? That's the, you can't fire me, I yes. method of blocking. <laughs> That's what it was. So I, 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 have, I have her name, because she only had 17 followers. Uh-huh. So I'm adding her, you know, because Alec Baldwin and Bruce Springsteen also have me blocked. She gets on the, on the She's list. She's now on the list. <laughs> She's on the list. All right, I think we're out of time. I think Jessica's kind of doing the, hey, it's time to wrap. Can, can we yeah. begin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem, guys. And I'm uh, I'm going to try to go back to sleep. It's a little hard with all this mess in my in system, but I'll try. He was in bed. I knew you were he... in bed this whole phone call. Uh, no, I'm pacing, drinking. I, I ordered coffee from room service, which you can't just Are you at least dressed? Are you at least dressed? He could have walked over to the lobby and gotten his own coffee instead of having it delivered to his room. Wow. Whose expense account is that on? Is that on, uh, uh, it's not on the podcast, the, right? Uh, hmm. Are we subsidizing that? Hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's my my expense account. I'm in Reno. There's no such thing as an expense account here. An expense account is the dirty napkin where they write down what you owe on it. Oh, Jay. <laughs> oh, thanks for the visual. All right, Jay. Hey, Jay. Actually, um, we're gonna end, but then stay on the line for a minute so we can talk the next one. Yeah, sure. We're gonna sure. Sa- we're gonna spare our listeners the scheduling that's about to take place. Okay. Because that could be another ten minutes. Yes. All Good right. Job, I am Bill Spadia. Follow me at Bill Spadia. Follow Jessica at Chasing Jess Nut. And uh, check Jay out. He's all over the place. <laughs> Just, emotionally. Uh, emotionally and physically. All right. Um, hey, make sure that if you've downloaded this from nj1015.com, that's great. We appreciate it. But subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And then every time we have a new one come out, it'll drop every Wednesday morning, somewhere between midnight and 6. You will get the latest episode of Speaking Millennial. Make sure you rate us and comment. Good? Good job, Bill. See you. The Speaking Podcast brought to you by our friends at House of Cupcakes, serving you in Princeton, East Brunswick, Clifton, and Saudi Arabia. The winner of Cupcake Wars offers 35 different flavors, perfect for a special occasion or just a sweet treat. Houseofcupcakes.com. The Speaking Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Flemington Car and Truck Country. 16 brands of cars and trucks. I'm a loyal customer buying my last two trucks there and can tell you no one beats the deals or offers better service. Visit Flemington.com. The Speaking Podcast brought to you by our friends at Casa Gennaro's on Route 27 in Kingston. Call 609-683-1212 for reservations. They're open for dinner every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Ask for my favorite special, the Veal Spadia. Best Italian food in Jersey.